Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome everybody back to another conversation of Parenting with Impact. We are thrilled to have you here. We are thrilled to have our guest here, Dr. Laura Markham, known to many of you as the peaceful parenting expert. She's got multiple best-selling books. She's the founder of AHA Parenting, all of that information and bio and detail is in the show notes so you can read all about her and that way we can jump into a fascinating conversation with the one and only Dr. Laura. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. So Dr. Laura, why don't you start a little bit uh, talking a little bit about how you ended up in this work and what you do with parents? Okay. Well, I always loved kids and I was always really interested in what made people tick. And I always wanted to change the world. So when I got out of college, I actually started yeah. I started a newspaper because I figured if you give people information, they make smart decisions if they have real accurate information about the world. But as I'm running this newspaper, I had to teach myself all kinds of things like marketing and accounting, which I really had no interest in. I loved writing, but of course, I loved psychology. So I would go to the library and I would get books on accounting, which I really did not like. Yeah. And, and I would sneak into the psychology section and the child development section. I had no children. I was in my 20s. But I would like look at those books too. And I would always get one out, just allow myself one of those books. So finally, eventually, I decided I'm going to go back and get my degree, my PhD in clinical psychology. And I did that at Columbia University. And just as I finished my classwork, my first child was born. And I thought it was like a lab practicum. Exactly. I thought, (laughs) oh my goodness, nobody understands how hard this is. And there wasn't a lot of support. So I'm like, wow, how do parents do this? And I was around parents all the time because, you know, my son and I would hang with other parents. And I saw them doing all kinds of things that I knew from my own studies and research were could be done better, but they didn't know better. How could they know better? They're just parents. And I thought parents need more support. This is the hardest job in the world. And parents go into this with zero support. I have a PhD. They don't have anything. And I thought this, something has to change here. So that's why I went into the field. I love it. So you started off with kids and realized that it was the parents that made the difference for the kids. Completely. Which we can understand greatly. Yeah. yeah, you know, when you and I first met, I knew we had a lot in common. But but I I rarely hear anybody else say that they knew as young as that that they wanted to change the world. So, mm. you know, kindred spirit with you, I really appreciate that and respect that. And you have, I mean, you've really made a huge difference. You've had a an, a dynamic impact on on helping parents understand that it's not just about information. 
Right. And the people we're raising every day in our families, in our kitchens, those are the people who are going to be in charge of the world or contributing to the world, contributing their unique gifts. And so if we can do a little bit better than our parents did, if we can stop the cycles that aren't so helpful and give our kids a little more emotional generosity and what they need to thrive, I think we really can make the world a better place. Yeah. So what is it that you feel like parents are are missing. What is it that they need to know that, that may not come intuitively? I think parents think that parenting is what you do when something goes wrong. Your kid <laughs> spills his, throws his sippy cup across the room or says no diaper change or whatever. I'm starting early because that's when right, it starts. Right. And parents think, okay, I got a parent here. <laughs> Actually, the parenting starts in your own equilibrium. It starts with when you get up in the morning and you maybe don't feel so great. Many of us, you wake up in the morning, some days you feel good, some days you don't feel good, but you bring yourself back. You you have a set of practices you use, whether that's a gratitude practice or you work out, whatever it is that works for you to get yourself back to some equilibrium so you can then be more emotionally generous with your child when he does throw the sippy cup. That's one thing. Parenting because starts he will with you. throw the sippy cup. Uh, there's no question. Yeah, He's no a child. Question. He's right. a child. He's going to do childish behavior. Our job is to show up in a way that we can use that as an opportunity for connection instead of disconnection. And that's the second thing parents don't know is that the secret is all about connection. It's right. it's not the strategies. It like is marriage a set of strategies? No, there are some things that work better than others, but it's a relationship. It's right. what you build with that person. The same thing is true of parenting. Yeah. It's connection. We've been we've actually been talking about this all day, <laughs> in a way. I mean, Diane and I did a webinar today, but as we were preparing for that, we we often get into these philosophical conversations. And in our work, like yours, there's a lot of emphasis on relationship. And what we've been looking at is is what goes into that. So there's communication skills, there's trust building, there's you know we've been sort of looking at all the different components that health that create or strengthen a healthy relationship. Well, and the healthy relationship strengthens all the components. I mean, there's exactly. this, this interplay between the different mm-hmm. things. So what are some of the core things that parents could do differently, you know, if it's about connection, if it's about relationship? Or think, I want to challenge the word do yeah. there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So what's different for parents? Because it may be a doing and it may be a being, being. or some combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair and a thinking, a thinking, yeah. because our belief system and our thoughts shape our actions so often. Right. So so I would say what's different for parents is to remember that children's needs are not just a good night's sleep and a decent meal and a chance to get outside and run around. All is as important as those things are. Children's needs are also about connection and they need to feel connected to thrive, to feel even to feel safe. And so I would say that would learn. be the first need. And to learn. Kids cannot settle down and learn until they feel connected and safe. That's safe. right. Exactly. Whether they're in the classroom or at home. Yeah. Well, and some of these kids are hard to connect to. I mean, I know we mm-hmm. we work with parents of complex kids, and sometimes the kids are moody, and sometimes they're, they use disrespectful communication, and sometimes... They're hard they to shut down and they shut they, down or I mean, they shut out. They get triggered. I mean, all yeah. of these things happen. So absolutely true. And I think that's why what matters 
First is that you have your emotional equilibrium in order, that when you notice yourself getting testy with your kid, because you will, because we're human, we're not perfect, we're not saints, the kids are getting exhibiting childish behavior, and we get testy. So the minute you notice that, you stop, drop your agenda, take a deep (sighs) breath, and you do a little reset. Right. Yeah. If you if you can monitor yourself and keep returning yourself at least to more calm, if not total calm all day long, you'll have more inner resource to draw on. You'll be more creative and you can then note it. First of all, you cannot take it personally when your kid gets like that instead of feeling miffed and like after everything I do for you. All right, then. I mean, that's what you sometimes want to say, right? But when or, you get or you might be a bad it. mom. Because- <laughs> right. Or maybe I broke my kid. Right. right. I mean, which, in which case, you know, then you're just all bets are off and you're, you go into a screaming fit. I mean, or go have a drink, you know, it's nothing you do is going to be good at that point. Right. right. So I think if you can remind yourself not to take it personally, and if you can be sort of get curious instead, yeah. Instead of getting angry, take a breath, remind yourself it's not about you. This person that you're dealing with is an immature human being who's still learning and is complicated and they're having a hard time yeah. and they need, that's when they need you most. Well, and we often say, don't get furious, get curious. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. and the thing that really struck me in what you just said, that's, that I don't want to let get slip was you said, drop your agenda. Yeah. And reclaim mm-hmm. yourself. We call it reclaim the brain. Yes. But, but that that notion that you don't necessarily have to get the, out the door, the dishes don't necessarily have to be cleaned. You don't have to moment, win the fight. Right? Like You don't even have to teach the part. lesson. We right. think we have to teach a lesson right now. That's your fight or flight talking, that mm-hmm. need to win, right? It's and not the worst really time to try to teach the lesson. Oh, yeah. If everybody's triggered, nobody's learning anything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But that's a hard piece for parents, that letting go in order to say, well, this has to happen. That's the task. I have this constant conversation with my middle kid who taught me this notion of the distinction between task and relationship. Hmm. Some people are very task-oriented. Some people are relationship-oriented. And we're always navigating that balance. And as parents, we have to give ourselves permission to put the relationship first is what I'm hearing. I love that. When you say how do parents, maybe what what do they need to, how do they, could they think differently that would help them and help their child? I think relationship first would be the motto we could all put up around our houses. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, So go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to elaborate on this a little bit more that you said, what could parents do differently? How could they think differently? I think that if we said relationship first and we remembered to take care of ourselves, just to keep coming back to you, set your, you know, device to go off every hour and just check in with yourself. Maybe all you need is just to like shake out your hands and do a crazy dance for a minute. Maybe you forgot to pee because you've been so busy, whatever it is, take care of you and then reconnect with your child. Now, if they're busy doing something, don't interrupt them. But the point is that kind of preventive maintenance keeps them from getting testy so often, even the more complicated kids. But let's say they are being complicated and difficult and testy and shutting you out. Then that's a whole challenge to connect with. But again, we don't have to be right. We could let go of our idea about how it is to connect with someone else. They don't have to come snuggle up with us and read the story. Maybe 
In fact, they're being difficult because we had our phone out and they're trying to get our attention. Mm-hmm. Kids often will be almost aggressive or hostile when we get out our phones, right? Yeah. Well, and and Dr. Laura, what's coming up for me as you're saying that is, you know, there's there's this foundational work we, we do when our kids are younger. And I know like us, you work with parents of kids with all of all ages. And so a parent this afternoon said, oh, my kid is is almost in college. Is it too late? Right. It's this sort of thing. And so let's talk about that a little bit, about what connection and that sort of environment looks like when your kid is older and really does want to be independent. Because when they're younger, we know how to cuddle. But yeah. it, but as that starts to shift, you know, how does that shift? Well, I think as it starts, to, first of all, it's never too late. I want to remember to say that, which I'm sure is what you said to this mom. It's never too late. Um, But also as it starts to shift and we can't just pick them up and toss them around to get them laughing and snuggle up with them on the couch, um, we can find ways to connect that work for them. So preteens often want to share their music. I'm not a big fan of video games, but watching him play his game and show you how he does it and pouring your admiration into him, that's a very powerful bonding experience where he feels seen and valued and like you really get who he is and how good he is at this. Those things are, are their way of connecting with us. Which is really, really what you're saying is super important because so often parents are vilifying the the technology, making the video games the bad thing. And so when we make the video bad, it makes it really hard for our kids to want to share it with us. Well, and the other piece that's in that is as parents, we feel like it's our job to instill our values on our kids, right? Mm. So it's this sort of, we want them to like what we like. We want them to do what we do. You know, it's like this sort of, we want them to value what we value. And so we don't do that flip and go, well, what is it that's most interesting to them? What is it that they value? Yes. And I think you've just nailed it. Listen more, talk less, listen more, ask good questions. Yeah. We often say, ask, don't tell. Right. The other thing that really jumped out at what you said, you said preventive maintenance, Mm. right? So that's the self-care. And you said keeps them from being testy. And it's like, it keeps our kids from being testy and it keeps us from being testy. Yeah. Right. So there's this, we're always looking at both as I hear it. There's preventive maintenance for us and we all know what works for us and it's a little different for each person. But there's preventive maintenance for them also. So Mm -hmm. every kid, just like they need enough sleep at night, every kid needs to laugh every day. The truth is, I believe every human needs to laugh every day. It changes the body chemistry. It reduces the stress hormones that make us all testy when we laugh. And it also, if we're laughing with someone else, we bond with them because oxytocin is released in the bloodstream when we laugh. And so whoever you're with, you're bonding with. It's a feel-good hormone, but it's the bonding hormone too. So when I talk about preventive maintenance, I have five practices I say are the preventive maintenance practices to keep your kid on an even keel emotionally. One of them we've already talked about is laughter. Another is empathy. Just whatever they say, if they can feel understood by you. And it can be as simple as I wish it weren't raining. So the kid says, I hate this rain. And you say, you wish it wasn't raining. I hear you. It's yeah. that all. That's all. You know, not chicken again. I hate chicken, even though they ate the same thing last week and they loved it. Right. You say you wish it wasn't chicken. You're not that you're not saying I'm sorry I made the chicken. You're saying you wish it wasn't this way. You're just acknowledging whatever they're saying. So, so and, and using that skill of mirroring their language, capturing yes. their language and just playing it back. for them. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, a third thing is routines that build in connection. 
So having routines really helps kids feel like they know what's going to happen next. Giving, having some structure in their lives helps them to feel more secure. And it's important to build in connection into some of those routines. So you have the bedtime routine where no matter how old your kid gets, there's some time in that bedtime routine where you're hanging with them and listening to them talk about their day or having some other connection time. Well, and my, I, I was just thinking about the fact that my daughter just went off to college um, for, she's like a junior and she's like, okay, so every day when you walk the dog, will you call me? And I can, we can talk together while you're walking the dog. And I'm like, oh Aww. yeah, absolutely. That's, I love you know, that. Well, I and as it. you were saying that, I immediately jumped to lying in bed with my kids reading, you know, because yes. that was my childhood. And I'm yeah. remembering when I first started coaching, so kind of a little while ago, <laughs> one of the very first clients I ever worked with had two boys, seven and nine, and she had absolutely no bedtime routine. And she was a bright, educated, accomplished professional woman, and there was no bedtime routine at all. And it was that simple right? Just helping her see the value of that and creating that. And what a a huge shift it made for every other part of their dynamic by having that one time a day where they knew what to expect, she knew what to expect, and they were coming together. It's really profound. Exactly. So that's three of my preventive maintenance. The fourth one is one-on-one time. So this is really beyond bedtime. This is just finding some time. I was talking to a mom today with six children, finding some time to connect with each one of them in the course of the day, even though you have six of them, you know, Um, and no matter how old they get, this is true from, you know, babies to teens Um, or I love it in college, you know, talking to them when they, when you're walking the dog, you know, I I call it dating your kids. Yes. I'm with you. Yes. Love it. Love it. Exactly. And then finally, welcoming emotions. And sometimes that means it's a little different than empathy. It starts with empathy, but it gets into if your kid is testy and having a hard time and shutting you out and slamming the door, whatever, that instead of saying, you know better than that, go to your room, which is what most of us were trained to say, um, you say, whoa, something's going on. Something's going on. How can I help? I can have a that. hard time, right? right? Something where you, and sometimes they will turn around and say, you know, what's going on. You're the worst mom in the world, you know, and you'll get, you'll be on the receiving end of an attack and you still can take a breath and say, I hear how upset you are about this. Yeah. And you can say, tell me more or, oh, I guess you think it's really unfair that, or whatever they're saying to you, you can acknowledge it. Now, once they calm down a little, you can also say, you know, sweetie, you never need to yell at me that way. I'm always here to listen, right? So you're you're absolutely setting a limit that we treat but, each other respectfully, but, but not, not until moment. they're, yeah, what did you say? <laughs> not in that moment. Exactly. Never in that moment because they cannot learn, as Diane yeah. pointed out, in that moment when tempers are escalated. So right. it's our job to act like the grown-up. It's our job to stay emotionally regulated, provide a safe holding container for their feelings, welcome those emotions because that's the only way they work through them. If you don't let your kid have those negative emotions, they don't just disappear. They make us sick and tired and explosive. Right. Well, and what you said is it's our job to be the grown-up. And what yeah. I want to acknowledge is that it, that's hard when you're dysregulated. And I think that's what ends up happening is that we go into that fight or flight that you were talking about earlier. And it's hard to be the grown up. We want to be the boss and in charge and in control, or we want to be out of there depending on whether we're fight or flight. Right. And so I think the question is how to feel like 
you're being the grown up, but that you're not being stomped on by your, I mean, this is what mm. parents say to me all the time. Mm-hmm. It's this sort of, but okay, I can't I let them the, treat that way. I got to be right. the grown up, but they can't treat me that way. Right? right. Well, I think the question is, are you parenting for change, for transformation in the longer term? Mm-hmm. Or do you just want to assert something now that'll make you feel better right now? Because when we feel bad in that moment, our, you know, if we're in fight or flight, if we're in fight, we just need to attack. That's what fight does. And we forget that's our darling child who actually we want to nurture and teach. That's mm-hmm. not the moment to teach it. You know, they're not going to learn at that moment. So instead we provide the holding container for their upset. And then afterwards we talk to them about how that upset's not necessary. And what are they, that's where they learn the most important lessons. Like, what do you do when you're dysregulated? Actually, yeah. Whereas how do we help you learn to navigate? How do you that? handle it when you're dysregulated so you can model for them? Is that what you're saying? Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the irony that just came to me as y'all were having this conversation. Our job is to act like the grown-up. And the irony is that when we stop acting like a grown-up is when we expect them to act like a grown-up and they don't. I love that. So true. Right? Is that I mean, that's really the twist of what's happening is that we get frustrated when they actually act like children. And then we start acting like children. (laughs) And we expect so much of them. We expect parents say to me sometimes, you know, when he hits his brother, then I really can't control myself and I just have to smack him. And I'm like, okay, you're 34 years old. He's five years old. (laughs) Yeah. If he can't, if you can't control yourself and you have to smack him, then at that moment, that's why he smacked his brother because he can't control himself. Um, And he's only five. So we need to do a better job modeling for him. And by the way, I want to acknowledge for every parent listening, it is really hard. Every parent has, every one of us has felt the urge to smack our child. Now, hopefully, we're able to stop that, take a deep breath, rein ourselves in, get our regulation back together and be a better role model. But it's not like we don't have these feelings. And our children, it's natural for them to have these feelings. Our job is to support them to develop the skills for self-regulation as well. And that starts with us, with our regulation. Exactly. So let's give people some information about how they can get in touch with you. And then we'll come back and kind of finish the conversation. But I want to take a quick pause because we're getting near to the end. Where would you like to, to direct people to find more information about you? So my website is ahaparenting.com, A-H-A, like those aha moments uh-huh. where mm-hmm. you see things differently. So it's ahaparenting.com. And you can, you can get free weekly support from me in the form of a newsletter in your inbox that people say is the best thing to show up in their inbox all week. I'm honored Love to say. That. And uh, in fact, um, I'll give you a link for a meditation that I made for parents during this last year that was, has been so hard for parents. Uh, that's a, I call it a grounding meditation that sort of helps us to get recentered. Beautiful. Uh, so That'd be great. If you, you give us that, we'll put it in the show notes great. and, and great. all the information that people need will be able to great. just click and make it super easy. Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and I'd love that. I'm, I want to go hear that meditation. I want to go. Yeah. Too. I need a grounding meditation sometimes. So. We so, all do. So is there anything else before, because you know, we've got a little final button question to ask you, but before that, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or, or something that you hope parents will take away from today? I think it's the hardest job ever, and you don't have to be perfect at it. Your kid's going to be okay if you just keep giving yourself some compassion and grace and every morning. And, and if you mess up, like as soon as you can do it, you go hug your child and you say, I'm sorry, you didn't deserve that. 
I was having a hard day, whatever you say. And then, as I say, you give yourself some compassion and grace and you, you know, ask your higher wisdom, like, all right, if I had this to do over again, what could I do differently? You can ask that. You can just go get a good night's sleep, which is maybe what you didn't have to begin with, you know, and get up the next morning determined to like put one foot in the front of the other and try again. And as long as you increase your ratio of good moments to bad moments, you do end up on a whole new path. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, true. I love that. It's just you're moving the needle. You're not trying to yeah. get it perfect. And the other thing I want to say really clearly, particularly because of, of our, our specific audience, is if you notice yourself doing this again and again and again, and you're not moving that needle, and it, you're not increasing the ratio of good, good moments to bad moments, get some help. Yeah. Ask yes. for the help you need. It doesn't matter yes. whether it's a coach or a therapist or, you know, like find the resource that will help you begin to shift the dynamic because you don't have to live with this and your kids don't either. If you're not feeling like you're handling all of the complications of, of these complex lives with the grace that you want, there's a lot of resources to help you do that. Yes. Well, and I want to say what Dr. Laura, what you said earlier, and it's never too late. Right. It's right. sort of, it, you know, I've, I've, so many parents were like, oh, I just can't wait till my kids go off to college. And it's like, no, that's the, that's can be the, some of the best time to connect mm-hmm. with your kids and have mm-hmm. relationship with your kids because they get in in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I hear from parents all the time that they wish they had done something earlier. Yeah, you know, I teach too. an online course and in the evaluations, people say things like, I didn't know how helpful this would be. I wish I had done it earlier. Yeah. Or I hear this about my books. And I'm sure you hear it about your work too. Because parents feel like somehow they have to do it all themselves, but they don't. They, sh- they yeah. It's too hard to do by yourself. We, we all need support. Yeah, in so, so many ways. So as we wrap up, we, we love to have you share with our audience a favorite quote or a motto that you think will resonate with them. I'd say choose love. There is always more love. Because sometimes as parents, we just have to dig deep. But in fact, if we're willing to let go of being right, let go of winning, if we're willing to just say, okay, what would love do here? As opposed to, you know, what am I driven to do to teach this lesson or whatever? I think when we just stop and take a breath and say, okay, I'm going to choose love. It opens up so many possibilities. Yeah, I was talking to a mom yesterday who's new to our community, and she was confessing, which we hear a lot. Sometimes I don't like my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not uncommon. If you mm-hmm. feel that way, that's you're you're not alone. And sometimes when when it's hard to like them, that choosing love becomes all the more important. Like, what, yes, and what is it that you love? If yeah. it means going back to those early moments, your first encounter with them, whatever that is. But finding the connection and this sort of loops back to the beginning of the conversation about the value of connection. Mm. Yes. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Laura, for being with us. What a great conversation about connection and love. And and I loved your five practices to connect with kids. The preventive maintenance. Thank Mm. you for being here. It was a pleasure to talk to you both again. Thanks. Yeah, this is lovely. To those of you listening, we appreciate your engagement and being here, your presence. And just remember, we want to thank you for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids, because at the end of the day, that's what makes the biggest difference. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. 
If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.